Welcome to Capital Conversations, the ERLC's podcast from Washington, D.C., where we help Christians imagine a new way to engage in the public square. I'm your host, Jeff Pickering. This is not how I wanted to begin the year 2021 on our show. Last year on the podcast, we hosted a month-long series in January leading up to the annual March for Life titled On Human Dignity, where we explored the meaning of a Christian ethic of human dignity and the reach of our pro-life work. I had hoped to pursue a similar series this January as well, but we need to begin first by talking about what happened at the U.S. Capitol last week. And not just that as a lone event, but all that led up to it. The constant assault on the truth and reality of the 2020 presidential election that Joe Biden won and Donald Trump lost stirred up the worst of partisan passions and led to an unimaginable assault on our democracy and a historic tragedy on Wednesday, January 6th. Here's why this matters for our work. As ERLC President Dr. Russell Moore wrote in his newsletter, published on Monday, January 11th, the week after the attack on the Capitol, quote, murder is wrong. Insurrection is wrong. Rioting is wrong. Terrorism is wrong. If someone says, yes, abortion takes a human life, but poverty is worse, they are wrong. And if someone says, when confronted with a violent insurrection on the nation's capital, yes, but what about, they are also wrong. You cannot stand for law and order while waving away lawlessness. You cannot champion the pro-life cause while waving away murder. You cannot support police by the murder of police officers. You cannot support religious liberty by trashing the United States Constitution. Beyond that, good policy cannot absolve bad character. Character matters. Integrity matters. Evil means are justified by no ends. Thus, the scriptures tell us, abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Romans 12, 9. I don't know that the effort central to this podcast has ever been more needed than it is today. As a Christ follower and citizen of the United States of America, I desperately want to help my brothers and sisters in the American church reckon with the deep sickness in our culture and reimagine our public square engagement. So we begin this year's run of the Capital Conversations podcast with a conversation I had with Dr. Moore last Friday, January 8th, at the end of an unimaginable week here in Washington. This interview was a special online event to grieve and process the chaos that unfolded at the U.S. Capitol on the 6th. Thanks for listening and processing with us. Thank you all for joining Dr. Moore and I for this important, though difficult and weighty conversation today. Many of you have submitted questions, uh, and we really appreciate that and look forward to addressing those questions throughout this conversation. We often see the Capitol Dome and different imagery here at the ERLC. Uh, I drove past the Capitol on my way to the office today, uh, and what has happened this week is, uh, is, is truly unimaginable, and, and more so as the days go by. Before we jump into uh, the first question that I have for you, I, I, I do want to give a bit of an overview of, of where we are. Uh, so what began as a political protest at the White House, led by President Trump, escalated into insurrection at the U.S. Capitol building. This mob was stoked by conspiracy and incited by pretend militiamen and irresponsible political leaders. 
They broke past many layers of security into the Capitol and delayed the joint session of Congress. Thankfully, our nation's elected representatives, senators, Vice President Pence, many of their staff, press, family members, uh, and others in the building were kept safe. Tragically, as of, as of today, five people have died, including a U.S. Capitol Police officer. Dr. Moore, in your article the day of this attack on our Capitol, uh, up at the Gospel Coalition titled The Gospel in a Democracy Under Assault, you wrote the words, you were trembling with rage. So let's just begin with initial reactions. What went through your mind on Wednesday? I'm still trembling with rage, Jeff, because uh, we, we have been through a lot this year uh, together as a country. We've seen approaching 400,000 of our fellow Americans die uh, with this virus. We've seen tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, and we've seen uh, the past four or five years uh, a time of such division that I don't know a family that's not divided or someone who hasn't experienced broken friendships uh, and even churches uh, that are divided. It's been a lot that everyone has gone through. And yet, I don't think any of us could have imagined watching the scene play out that we did in the United States Capitol, the very symbol of uh, American democracy and, and order being stormed, people being attacked. Now, as we know today, a United States Capitol police officer who has died uh, along with, with several others. Uh, this is horrifying uh, imagery, and, and it really does speak to something that has gone terribly, terribly wrong uh, in the United States of America. And so I think that a sense of anger at this is appropriate. And I also think that a sense of great sadness and lament uh, is also appropriate. I think there are many people who, as they were watching this scene uh, unfold, felt a sense of helplessness, as I did too. What, what can be done? Simply praying that uh, there weren't bombs uh, going off. As, as we now know, there were, uh, there were trucks loaded with Molotov cocktails and, and, and other explosive devices, not only at the Capitol, but at uh, the Republican National and Democratic National Committee buildings. Uh, there were gallows being constructed with, with many people talking about murdering uh, the vice president of the United States. Uh, there were people uh, tearing apart the office of the Speaker of the House and, and sitting. I mean, th this is something that ought to cause us a moment of saying, I can't believe this is happening. And, and I think that for many of us, there's been a numbing effect. The, the, the news cycle is so crazy all the time. There, there's one thing after another, and we just become numb to it. Uh, and we shouldn't be numb to this. Uh, th this really is a moment that ought to speak to our conscience as a nation and every single one of our consciences as individuals before God. Uh, I know that in, in our work together here at the ERLC, there are times in which we, which you use the phrase that an, an event shocks the conscience. Yeah. And it seems like uh, that's, that's been, that's been worn down. Uh, another particular uh, phrase and word that's been used is insurrection. It's not just you calling this insurrection, many senators, former defense secretaries, other government leaders. Why is that word appropriate for what we saw? What makes what we saw on Wednesday different from another protest that would turn violent and into a riot? Well, any 
uh, any riot and, and any uh, act of, of violence, whether it's called protest or not, it's always morally wrong uh, and, and is always to be treated with the utmost seriousness and uh, the full extent of the law. Hmm. This uh, is, in addition to all of that, an act of violence against the United States of America, an attempt to uh, not only disrupt a constitutional process of uh, House members and senators counting the votes in the Electoral College, but to instill fear in the United States of America. This was an insurrection and an act of domestic terrorism. And there, there, there is no other way to describe this. And so uh, the, the, the way that, um, what I said to myself when this first happened, I was, I was glad to hear from so many people really across the spectrum who all saw this for what it, what it was. Uh, what, I, what I said to my wife is, I'm just fearful of the way that we're operating in America right now. There's always a way for people to walk their consciences back and to seek to justify something that is unjustifiable. And uh, that's what we have to be watching for. This is unjustifiable. Doesn't matter what your politics are, doesn't matter what your religion is, doesn't matter what region of the country you're in. This is an attack on the United States Constitution, which ought to revolt us as patriots. And more than that, uh, it is a violation of what the scripture clearly teaches in Romans chapter 13 about the, the governing authorities established by God. And beyond that, what the scripture teaches about murder. People were murdered uh, in this uh, violent action. There is no justification for it. Romans you tweeted about 13, Romans uh, during the insurrection, uh, during the insurrection, and, uh, a few other things that uh, a few other things that you were posting uh, in real time as we were all watching the gas. Watching gas. As events unfolded, you refer to them as you as you just did as immoral, dangerous, excusable. Uh, and then President Trump's initial words after the Capitol was breached, in which he told rioters that be peaceful, but he also said he loved them; they were special. Uh, your response was that that was shameful beyond words. Then, Dr. Moore, this morning, you called on the president to resign, stating, could you please step down and let our country heal? Why do you believe that is the next morally right step? Well, what I'd like to do is to appeal to the president's uh, sense of uh, responsibility in all of this. We have differences. We have differences in this country over the president. I have differences with a lot of my fellow evangelicals about uh, the president's character. But we, we, we can have those disagreements. We can have those arguments um, back and forth. And we can live with one another and, and understand one another and not seek to change one another on those things. But uh, this is a moment where the entire country is waiting to see what is going to happen next. Uh, it's a very dangerous sort of time. We have... Right now, Senator Lindsey Graham, one of the president's uh, key supporters, has supported the president uh, throughout his administration, being chased through Reagan National Airport, uh, being called a traitor. There are people issuing threats uh, against the vice president for carrying out his constitutional duties. I mean, there, there are mobs of people. This is a very, very dangerous time. And so what we need is 
leadership that is going to say, let's heal. And the way that we heal is by saying violence and attacks on the United States government are always wrong. We're going to prosecute them. And then everything else that we disagree about and differ about, we can talk about those things. We can debate those things as Americans who, in common, cherish our Constitution, even if we disagree on maybe some ways that that is uh, applied. That's what has to happen uh, right now. There has to be a, a time of healing. And if, if the president uh, can't or won't uh, do that, then uh, there's 12 more days left, then I think he should, uh, he should take responsibility one way or the other. But we have to have stable, unifying leadership in this country. This is not the same thing as an election where, well, someone supporting one candidate, somebody supporting another. It's not the same thing as some uh, legislative proposal where some people think it's good and some people think it's bad. This is a dangerous time uh, in which people have been killed and it has to be taken very, very seriously. And as, as uh, you know, Jeff, one of the things that we're dependent upon uh, in this country is the kind of presidential leadership that uh, in moments of great crisis is speaking not only to one's own uh, supporters, but also to the entire uh, country. To think of uh, President Bush uh, after September the 11th, calling the entire country together, or uh, think of uh, President Obama after the shooting at Emanuel AME Church in, in Charleston, calling the whole country uh, together. Thinking of President Reagan uh, after the, the Challenger explosion and, and other uh, issues that we faced, uh, this, this going back all along. Thinking of President Ford after Watergate and Vietnam uh, and the country deeply, deeply divided and President Ford standing up and saying, we have to come together as one country, uh, even taking the courageous action that many people disagreed with at the time, of pardoning President Nixon because he believed that it would further tear the country apart. Whether you agree with presidents or not, that's a part of the job. Uh, that's a part of the oath. And uh, we, we really, really need that right now. And I think, that, I think that whatever one thinks of Vice President Pence, he carried out his duties on Wednesday with sobriety and gravity. I think even people who, who uh, don't agree with or don't like Vice President Pence can see that. Um, that's what we need right now. I want to ask a question. You mentioned 9-11 and some of those other national tragedies. How did we get here? Like, what, what I mean by that specifically is how did we get to a point where a violent mob actually overtakes the nation's capital. I mean, those images, they've just grown more unimaginable day by day. And instead of the kind of national unity that we had after September 11th, we still have many people around the country disputing the reality of what occurred. How did we get here in that sense? Well, I think that one of the reasons that we, uh, we came to this place is because it's in the interest of uh, many people and increasing numbers of people to deal not in uh, truth, but in uh, division. It's a good business model uh, to keep people in, in a constant state of outrage and also to uh, frame every single issue and every single moment as an apocalyptic moment. Hmm. Uh, e even when the people who are using that sort of language 
don't even believe it themselves. Don't even believe it themselves. But it's it's the way that you can get people to do what it is that you want them to do is to say, if this happens or this doesn't happen, then it's the end of our country as we know it. Not just this is a bad thing. We ought to do something different. But this is the end of our country as we we know it and uh, to create a sense of desperation. Now, uh, that's one of the things that a lot of people are uh, able to do and they sort of wink at one another. And I know we're all just playing a game here. That's not only morally wrong. Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, meaning that there has to be a congruence between the heart uh, and, and the speech that takes place. But it's also really, really dangerous because there are a lot of people who believe those things. I'm just a, a few miles away from a place uh, in here in Nashville where a man blew up a, a city block, just, just a couple blocks from my office. Uh, now, he wasn't part of a mob. He wasn't part of some organized uh, terror network, although we didn't know that at the time. But when law enforcement uh, officers found his, his writings and posts, it's full of conspiracy theories about uh, lizard people occupying the country and so forth. Now, can we do anything about the fact that there are going to be mentally ill people and some of those mentally ill people may be uh, dangerous uh, when they're not helped? Sure, that, that, that's true. That's always going to be true. But we can do something about the fact that we, we live in a time where all of this apocalyptic rhetoric is just thrown around. And, and, and the fact that there are going to be people who, who believe it. And, and there is no category anymore in many sectors of American life to say, I completely disagree with what you're doing. And I think that the decisions that you're making are bad for the country without simultaneously saying you're un-American and should be destroyed. Right. That has sadly... Uh, in many instances, been lost, and it has to be recovered. I want to talk about conspiracy theories with you with you next, a little bit more specifically, because while Wednesday was a shock to ninety nine point nine nine percent of the country, for some in the far right extremist groups who were there and online, some private channels, other social media channels, like adherence to the QAnon conspiracy theory, what happened yesterday seems to be a culmination of this kind of grand epic of their fight against against evil, whether that evil is Democrats or the media or just the, the deep state of which Republicans uh, are now a part of. How do we make sense of that, that this was conspiracy theory, violent rhetoric turned physical violence? We, we've already seen physical violence uh, come from this. Uh, we, we've had uh, years and years and years of lying about underground pedophile rings taking place in, in pizza shops uh, in, in Washington and on down the line uh, about these, these crazy uh, pedophile satanic uh, rings uh, that are uh, inside the United States government and include officials of both parties. And I mean, it's, it's, it's insane stuff. Um, but it is useful to some people to be able to put that out there. And it's, it's useful in a couple of ways. It's useful. I think of, um, years ago on the office, Creed Bratton said, 
Uh, I've spent a lot of time in cults, both as a leader and a follower. You have more fun as a follower, but you make more money as a leader. Uh, that was uh, played for comedy and meant to be comedy, but there's a dark truth behind that. Right. And uh, there, there are many people who find a lot of money or a lot of fame to be found in being cult leaders. And Q, QAnon and these other groups are cults. Right. Uh, that, that's what they are. And uh, it, it also plays into this understanding of sometimes when, uh, when I talk to people, regardless of what the conspiracy theory is, and whether it's right, left, or wherever uh, it comes from, when you sit down and say, but that's not true, and let me show you why that's not true, the, the response is not, yes, it's true, and here's why. The response is, well, that just shows you how deep the conspiracy is, that there's no evidence for it. And, and even sometimes they, well, regardless of whether it's true or not, it, it gets to a deeper point that, you know, whatever is there. Well, I mean, the scripture says um, in Romans chapter three, the apostle Paul uh, is, is speaking to the church at Rome. And he says, what if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way, by no means. For then how could God judge the world? But if through my lie, God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come as some people slanderously charge us with saying their condemnation is just. Now, what, what Paul is saying there is that you cannot employ lies for the service of anything that is righteous. You, you cannot employ evil for some greater good. And so Paul is saying there are some people who are saying, well, God is, is glorified even in the judgment of sin. So why not lie all the more that good may come? And Paul says, God forbid to that. Mm -hmm. He says uh, th those who say such things are speaking slander and their condemnation is just. You cannot speak something that is untrue so that some supposedly uh, greater good can come about uh, from it. And if you tell yourself that, uh, you are telling yourself something directly contrary to the word of God. We've got one more question on conspiracies and culture before we move on to uh, the question specifically for pastors, Christian families uh, that, uh, that have come in is not necessarily to the people who it seems like might be caught up totally into something like QAnon, but they're just posting and reposting things like, oh, this was just Antifa. Don't, the, the media is hyping this up. Uh, this is just Antifa. This wasn't really what it, what it was. Or mm, I don't, I go to other news sources. I don't trust, I don't, I don't even trust Fox News or, or any of these type news sources. How can we engage in those kinds of conversations where the intake is very conspiratorial, even if somebody doesn't necessarily realize it and wouldn't say, oh, yeah, I believe that there's a there's a pedophile ring like QAnon. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, there are sometimes things that happen where we we have a, a fog of not knowing exactly what took place. I mean, think again of 
of uh, 9-11, there, there were at least a couple hours there where people were saying, where is this coming from? Who is, who is it that has uh, attacked us? That's not the case here. Uh, the, the people that were storming uh, the United States Capitol, in many cases, gave their names and addresses uh, to reporters and, and filmed themselves as they were doing it. We know who was there. Uh, so there really isn't a question of that. It's a it's a useful dodge uh, to be able to say, well, we didn't do it. Uh, somebody else did. That's not true. Uh, but you make a very good point. And, and the point is, this: I said to um, an elected official today uh, that you, one cannot reason people out of things that they were not reasoned into. So there are always going to be hardcore conspiracy theorists who are never going to uh, receive facts. That's one thing. I'm more concerned about the people who, as you mentioned, just sort of are confused because they're, they're seeing things secondhand. I mean, we, we've already seen this um, with, uh, with the pandemic that we've been through over the last year. Uh, people saying, well, this, is, uh, this was a plan by Dr. Fauci uh, or this really it doesn't exist. COVID is a hoax. Or uh, later when the vaccine uh, started to be developed, well, this is Bill Gates trying to get microchips into your, into your bloodstream. The danger is not so much the kind of people who will believe that. Uh, the danger is for the kind of people who say, well, there's so much stuff going on. I don't know uh, what, what to think. Uh, so I think that our responsibility, I mean, again, the word of God says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Both parts of that are important. Being driven by fear and the limbic system and the adrenal system is not the way of the spirit. And uh, acting in ways that are unreasonable is not the way of the spirit. And so we have a responsibility to say, what's the truth? What's reality? Uh, I mean, I always know what that is, but I'm going to seek to find out what that is. And I'm not going to uh, be driven by those who have an interest in seeing to it uh, that I'm responding uh, with an adrenal response where I should be giving uh, a reasonable uh, response. I mean, that, this, is, this is crucially important, not just for our country. It's crucially important for each person as a person uh, to be able to walk in, in the way of Christ. And uh, I mean, we're, we're at a time where, and I've talked about this endlessly because I think it is exactly true. Paul warned repeatedly about those who have an unhealthy craving for controversy uh, and who seek to be quarrelsome. And I think the reason that, that some people are drawn toward this, this constant sense of, of combat with uh, people, on, whether on social media, or in terms of mob violence or whatever later on is because it gives somebody sort of the flush of the feeling of life. It's, it's sort of like a, an electric charge into a dead frog. Someone who doesn't feel as though they have a life or they have a purpose, they can have a rush of something and it becomes addicting uh, to people and they have an unhealthy craving for it. That's deadly dangerous for you. Uh, as a person uh, meant to image God and to follow Jesus. And it also is very, very dangerous for us as a society. I mean, that, uh, I, I kept 
in my prayer life over the last year, uh, Maria can tell you, so often what I was saying is somebody's going to get shot. Somebody's going to get killed. And here we are. I mean, this, this leads to, once you say there's a, there's a secret cabal of people who are trying to take everything away from you, uh, and and nothing that you see around you is real. You're you're living in a matrix all the time. That that's dangerous. Right. So with the time we have left, I want to I want to go through a set of questions specifically for for pastors and Christian families. And the first category that I want to start with is talking about Christian nationalism. We saw crosses, Jesus saves flags. Uh, I've read reflections from some people who were rioting inside the Capitol. They didn't necessarily think of that, but I would say that's what they were doing. Uh, that quote, there was lots of prayer, great conversations, really felt the Holy Spirit there. How do we how do we help church members who, or family members or friends who are caught up in that type of thinking, infusing even, even what happened Wednesday with the things of God? Well, I go back to where we were in, in the book of Romans uh, some moments ago. The nations blaspheme because of you, Paul says, uh, of those who are acting disobediently to, to the way of Christ. The, the danger here is uh, one of the reasons uh, that I was so trembling with rage, as you, as you mentioned the other day, is seeing the signage, building gallows, along with signs that say Jesus saves. Those things do not go together. Violent insurrection and the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot coexist. Uh, this, this sort of, of violence and hatred with the way of Jesus Christ, a way that he explicitly repudiated, is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the problem is not only do we have a situation where, where people are murdered and, um, and our government's under attack and and, uh, and and the danger is spreading out all over the, the country at any potential place. But also, the, the message is being put by some, this is who Jesus Christ is. Hmm. And, and there are people who don't yet know Christ, who all they know about Jesus is seeing Jesus saves signs in the hands of violent insurrectionists who are disobeying the clear commands of scripture and the explicit words out of the mouth of Jesus himself. That is blasphemy. And that's one of the reasons why those of us who are Christians have a responsibility. We don't have a responsibility to speak to everything. Uh, I, I'm not one of those people who would say, if you're a pastor, you need to get up and you know, talk about everything that's going on in the news every week uh, and so forth. We have a responsibility to say, this is what Christianity is, defined by the gospel and the kingdom of God. And this is what Christianity is not. Hmm. If people walk away from Jesus because they find the gospel scandalous, then we're, we're still carrying out our faithful mission. If people walk away from Jesus because they are being presented with a picture of Jesus that is actually satanic and does not reflect Jesus Christ, that is a great danger. And I think some of the, some of the problem that's taken place, I mean, um, it, time doesn't mean much now because who can judge when something happens? It seems like it was just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was seeing someone talk about one of these 
talk radio host or someone saying the problem that we have in Christianity is this weak, turn your other che- turn the other cheek sort of religion, which I've heard before uh, from, from many people. And you step back and you say, do you not recognize that you're quoting the verbatim words from the mouth of Jesus Christ? If, if the Sermon on the Mount is the problem with American Christianity, in your view, then Jesus Christ is the problem with American Christianity, which means that what you're holding to is something else. We have a responsibility to say what the gospel is and who Jesus is and to live in a way that's consonant with that. So I want to ask about pastors speaking on Sunday, but to, to the person who has a family member who's posting, each of us don't have a responsibility to speak to everything, but we do have people in our life that we love, that we care, that we don't want to let President Trump or this political moment for these last five years to break up friendships, to break up family relationships over these disagreements. But in a moment like the one we're in this week, what's the first step to engage somebody who's caught up in all of this per, in a personal conversation? Like, for those who believe everything you said, what's that next step? Yeah, well, I think what you don't want to do is to be drawn into uh, endless sort of social media back and forth. Uh, I, I rarely think that, that that can do anything. If you have somebody that you love who's, who's getting involved in, in some sort of justification of violence or some sort of uh, conspiracy theory or whatever, I think you have to gauge what's my relationship like with this person. Uh, just as you can with with other things, uh, you, you're going to have um, maybe uh, somebody that you know as an acquaintance from high school who's posting about you know how much heroin they did last night, and you see that and you lament it. But then you look and your your sister posts the same thing that you're going to call her. And you're not going to respond to her on Facebook, and so I think you have to gauge that uh, with each of these people uh, one by one. But then beyond that, to to model a different way. I mean, I I think there are a lot of people because sometimes the fringes in American life, because they're the most theatrical uh, by definition, they're what everybody sees. And uh, and the the people who actually are living out the gospel and and living out that that sort of reasonableness uh, that, that Paul talks about. They aren't as visible. I think model a different way. Don't get into endless quarrels, but but model a different way. My final question here for you, Dr. Moore, is uh, is directly for pastors. How can our churches display the kingdom and display the unity of Christ's body in such a divisive time? Well, I think one of the ways is is by praying and lamenting together, uh, and I think a pastor definitely. Uh, should uh, should mention something that is uh, affecting the entire country, affecting every uh, single congregation. And uh, th- that doesn't mean that a pastor has to turn the whole service into a point-by-point sort of response to what we've seen this week, by no means. But it does mean that we can have an expressed time of lament uh, together at, at what we have what we have seen. And it's going to depend on pastors know their congregations and and know what the particular vulnerabilities of that congregation might be. If you have a congregation where you think a lot of your people or, or even any of your people are drawn into justifying violence, 
then you should speak directly to that and, and demonstrate how the Bible does not uh, go in that direction for the sake of those people. Uh, you, you don't want them to be to incur judgment for that. You don't want them to be harmed by that. So to, to speak in that way. But even if not, to have a time of, of prayer and, and lament. Um, in the church I belong to, pastor prays long pastoral prayers, very long pastoral prayers. I know the feeling. Yeah. And, and what I what I realized in that, but he does it in a way that's not laborious or uh, right. you, you don't notice in this case. And you, you, I noticed that what he's doing is teaching people how to pray. Yeah, that's right. And so there are some who are in maybe more liturgically structured uh, services who would have uh, specific uh, liturgies uh, that, that they can go to and litanies that they can go to. People who are in less uh, liturgical sorts of congregations who nonetheless can stand up and say, this is sort of a model of how we can pray uh, together and have that sort of what Romans 8 talks about groaning uh, for the coming. And I think in the middle of all of that, to remember, we're Christians who believe in God the Father Almighty and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, who is returning to judge the living and the dead. We can pray for the coming of Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, quickly. The, the sense of, of helplessness and almost hopelessness that many have in a moment like that ought to be turned not just into uh, can you believe how awful it is? But come, Lord Jesus. That feels like a, uh, a good line to uh, end this conversation on. Dr. Moore, thank you. Thank you for your uh, leadership this week uh, and, and for your time today helping us process uh, the, the unimaginable this week. Is, is there any other final word that, uh, that you'd like to no, give? I just, wanted to, I just wanted to say thank you, Jeff. And uh, I'm very glad to see you because uh, Maria and I were spending a lot of the day on Wednesday uh, praying for you and your family uh, near near Capitol Hill, uh, for, for Chelsea Sobolik uh, on our team and her family, for Travis, for everyone who's, who's there uh, in D.C., uh, not knowing what was going to happen to the city. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm just glad not only to know that day that you're, you were safe, but also to, to see you. Well, I, I appreciate that, Dr. Moore, and and you know, with that word, it, it has been a a weird week of you know the days feel normal, uh, but then night you know last night again felt eerie, and and there were some security concerns, and and just as I've been catching up with different friends that were in the Capitol, whether they be press or or Capitol Hill staff, it was it was a scary day, and I think a lot of the churches here in D.C. will be having that time of lament, and there will be a particular kind of ministry for those who their church members who experienced the trauma on, on Wednesday, and that is ongoing. Jesus is on his throne, and there is no one who can shoot their way into there. This is Capital Conversations, an ERLC podcast from Washington, D.C. If you appreciated today's show, send a link to this podcast or to the video of the event to a friend or family member in your community. Also in the show notes is a link to Dr. Moore's newsletter article from January 11th that I quoted in the intro. It's titled, The Roman Road from Insurrection. Be sure to subscribe to Capital Conversations so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a rating and a review. This really will help others find our show. Resources from today's episode are available in the show notes and at erlc.com. Thanks so much for joining us today, and we look forward to being back together with you next week.